You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, The Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to The Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with The Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include tank rides are happening in England, and a South New Jersey school cancels their upcoming playoff game amid allegations of hazing. Here's your national news recap for the week of November 7th. A Fresno man is trying to figure out how to bring himself back to life. NBC News reports Hunter McKay cannot renew his driver's license because the California Department of Motor Vehicles thinks he's dead. The DMV says they have a copy of a death certificate out of Los Angeles County that includes McKay's driver's license number and claims he's been deceased since last October. McKay says since that time he has registered two vehicles and obtained a temporary license. The man has checked with Social Security and his bank and says he does not believe he's a victim of identity theft. Standing very much alive in a Fresno DMV office, McKay says he's frustrated that even DMV employees don't seem to know how to resurrect him. The suspect in a southeast Texas police chase is dead. Houston police say the person was killed late Thursday morning in a shootout with officers near the Greenspoint Mall. An innocent bystander is hospitalized after being hit by a stray bullet. It all started when Harris County Precinct 4 deputy constables attempted to capture someone they say fired at a police station earlier this week. The suspect drove off leading police from Pasadena into downtown Houston and then out to the mall where the shootout happened. San Francisco's Great Highway was closed to cars on Veterans Day. City officials say the closure allowed residents the ability to ride their bikes, skateboard, jog, or just enjoy the ocean views without worrying about vehicular traffic. The gates reopened Friday at 6 a.m. The Great Highway then reclosed at noon per the usual Friday afternoon to weekend procedure. A Florida pizza chain is stirring up controversy with one of its menu offerings. Solorzano's Pizzeria in Sarasota County is selling pies with FJB spelled out in pepperoni, which is short for a vulgarity directed at President Joe Biden. The owners admit they are not fans of the president and blame him for frustrations caused by supply chain issues. According to Patch.com, the chain is also planning to introduce the LGB pizza, which stands for Let's Go Brandon, a cleaner version of the phrase used to criticize the president. Everyone 18 and older in Colorado is eligible for a coronavirus booster shot. Governor Jared Polis signed an executive order Thursday to open up eligibility to all adults. He did so by declaring Colorado as high risk for being exposed to or transmitting the virus. Those who are six months removed from getting their second dose of Pfizer and Moderna are able to get their third shot. Individuals who are two months removed from their single-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine can get their booster as well. Only a small amount of restaurants on Long Island are receiving grants from the federal government during the pandemic. According to Newsday, just 12% of Long Island residents got money from the Federal Restaurant Revitalization Fund before it ran out of funds. That works to $270 million going around to 1,100 food and drinking establishments. According to Long Island Advocacy Group, a large number of people applied and didn't get grants that led to a high level of disappointment. 
As the New Jersey Attorney General's Office continues its investigation, officials are now identifying the Long Branch man in last weekend's fatal police shooting. Monmouth County authorities were serving a search warrant to 34-year-old Mark Walker last Friday night when he barricaded himself inside for several hours. Cops say he eventually set the home on fire and ran, firing multiple shots at officers and injuring one of them in the leg. They returned fire, fatally wounding the subject. 26 people in Sacramento are under arrest over illegal weapons possession. Sacramento County District Attorney Anne Marie Schubert said her office coordinated with a number of police agencies over the last six months to search for firearms. Wednesday, police were able to confiscate 23 weapons from a number of areas of the city. Schubert said that many of the suspects are connected to local gangs. She also noted that some of the suspects may have been part of an EDD fraud scheme that milked billions from the unemployment system. According to NBC10, Jack Chitterelli, the Republican candidate for New Jersey governor, who smashed expectations of a big loss by nearly stunning incumbent Governor Phil Murphy on November 2nd, will finally concede, according to his campaign. Chitterelli surprised many, including New Jersey pollsters who later apologized for his strong showing on Election Day earlier this month. He held off conceding to Murphy for days while the final provisional and mail-in ballots were counted, even though he trailed by 2.6%. The difference amounts to more than 65,000 votes. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. Hi, it's Rom bringing you the weekly politics update. Major headlines for the week are the $1 trillion bipartisan bill finally passing, clearing the Senate 69 to 13 votes with GOP support, but crawling through the House getting 228 to 206 votes, only 13 Republican votes in favor. Six years after the previous infrastructure bill, the 13 Republicans that voted in favor had their names and office phone numbers released and received death threats and recalled traitors by former President Trump and Georgia Republican Green. On the upside, this bill was triple the size of the 2015 bill, and Biden plans to sign it on Monday. News of the district lines redrawing in North Carolina is drawing criticism, as the once-a-decade plans were released by GOP-controlled legislature, which saw the number of GOP-leaning districts increase from 8 to 10, possibly 11. This process can be seen done by both parties, from Illinois to Ohio. We're only three months into this process, but experts are saying that the gerrymandering is far more pronounced than what was seen in 2010. The Republicans need a net gain of just five seats to take back control of the U.S. House and effectively freeze President Biden's agenda on climate change, the economy, and other issues. A 10-state coalition filed on the 10th in Missouri federal court to try and block a COVID-19 vaccine requirement for health workers, marking a new front in the resistance by Republican-led states to the pandemic policies of President Biden. Their argument hinges on a claim that this would lead to a shortage of health workers in rural areas and that it is unprecedented and unreasonably broad, affecting even volunteers and staff that don't typically work with patients. OSHA say that they have the right to legislate at a national level and the Justice Department says that they will work to keep it in effect. And now here are some rapid-fire stories for you. Federal Judge Yeakob of Texas ruled that Texas Governor Abbott's mask mandate ban violated the Americans with Disabilities Act, saying that it put children with disabilities at risk. A report from the Office of Special Counsel released on the 9th alleged that at least 13 former Trump administration officials, including Jared Kushner and Mike Pompeo, violated the Hatch Act by intermingling campaigning with their official government duties. Arizona Representative Paul Gosar is facing possible censure and a lot of criticism after tweeting a video that included alter animation showing political figures fighting and him striking Representative Alexander Ocasio-Cortez with a sword. 
Only days after the Democrats conceded control of the Virginia House of Delegates to the Republicans, they walked back that concession on the 9th. As two key races where the GOP held thin leads appeared to be headed for a recount. On the 9th, President Biden announced that they are extending the federal government's 100% reimbursement of COVID-19 emergency response costs to states, tribes, and territories through April 1st, 2022. And with that, I've been Ram, and this has been your politics recap for the week with the Rowan Report. I'm Victoria Baker with your international news. It appears China's president will be in charge for many years to come. The Chinese Communist Party declared Xi Jinping's rule to be of decisive significance. He is looking to gain another five-year term as president. Term limits on the presidency were eliminated in 2018. The party also put him on the same level as leaders, including Mao Zedong. A former government official in Afghanistan blames the fall of the government on corrupt officials. He says invented ghost soldiers and took payments from the Taliban. Ex-finance minister Khalid Payden said on a Wednesday that most of the 300,000 troops and police on government books did not exist. He said the phantom personnel were added to official lists so corrupt generals could pocket their wage. He said records showing Afghan security footage greatly outnumbered the Taliban were made up. Chinese President Xi Jinping is warned against a return to Cold War tension in the Asian Pacific. Xi and President Biden will be meeting soon in a virtual summit. A returner's news source says the meeting could happen as early as Monday. Ahead of the meeting, Xi is urging for cooperation in the region. In a recorded video message to the APEC CEO forum underway in New Zealand, Shea said the Asian Pacific region should not relapse into confrontation and division of the Cold War era. He was apparently referring to the U.S. alliance with Australia, India, and Japan in opposition to China's growing influence. A woman soccer player in France is under arrest in connection with an attack on one of her teammates. Amira Delo was taken to custody as part of an investigation into attack on one of her Paris St. German teams. It's alleged that Delo hired two masked men to attack one of her teammates in a plot to earn more playtime. The New York Times reported that following a team dinner, Devalio drove her teammate home when men pulled her out of a car and allegedly hit her with an iron bar, causing injuries to her arms and legs. If you ever wanted to ride a tank, a British chauffeur service could give you that unique opportunity. Merlin Batchelor of Norwich, England says his tank taxi cost him about $35,000 to buy and repair so he could use for business. But it will come with a hefty price, he says. He makes about $1,000 per wedding or funeral he covers. Those two events are the only ones he's licensed to provide rides for right now. But he hopes to expand, being able to give lifts to proms, birthdays, and other events. Noble ladder Mala Yusuf is married. The 24-year-old woman's right campaigner announced her marriage to Pakistan cricket executive Asr Malik Tuesday at her home in Birmingham, England. She was shot in the head by a Pakistanian Taliban when she was 15 because she campaigned for girls to be educated. 
She underwent months of treatments in England, and two years later, she shared the Nobel Peace Prize. She wrote a best-selling memoir titled I Am Malala and graduated from Oxford University with a degree in philosophy, politics, and economics. That was your international news. I'm Victoria Baker. Now it's time for local news with me, Sam Whalen. A New Jersey mother whose kids were found dead in a car is now formally charged with murder. A Skillman woman, 36-year-old Yu Wei Cho, is accused of suffocating her children. Police recently found the children, a 7-year-old girl and a 10-month-old baby boy, bound and restrained in the backseat of a car that had veered off the road. The kids were pronounced dead at the scene. Cho was arranged via video conference recently and is due back in court soon. More money is being handed out to help reduce gun violence in Philadelphia. It's all part of the Anti-Violence Community Expansion Grant Program that has now provided more than $6 million toward the cause. Mayor Jim Kenney announced that the African Family Health Organization, Philadelphia OIC, Central Division Victim Services, and Mothers in Charge were each were the latest awardees. In total, 13 community-based organizations have been awarded since July with more to come. Governor Phil Murphy is ramping up New Jersey's climate action initiatives, announcing steps to further the state's clean energy future to protect residents, the economy, and the environment from climate change's worsening impact. Signing an executive order to establish an interim greenhouse gas reduction target of 50% below 2006 levels by 2030, he addressed a root source. He announced a nearly $14 million investment in electric buses and trucks to cut emissions and improve air quality. Finally, he's launching a $20 million expansion of the NJ Zero Emission Incentive Program into the Greater Jersey Shore area. The Cal Ripken Senior Foundation has cut the ribbon on a new park in South Baltimore. Foundation officials joined local lawmakers and residents in cutting the ribbon on its 100th youth development park in Baltimore's Cherry Hill neighborhood. The state-of-the-art park is also its 16th youth park in the state of Maryland. The multi-use field features lighting and bleachers and will support football, soccer, lacrosse, and baseball. The park also features indoor and outdoor spaces, a pool and wellness center with multi-purpose rooms. The park was built in cooperation with the South Baltimore Gateway Partnership and Baltimore City Recreation and Parks. From the Associated Press, a lawsuit in which workers accuse a Hindu organization of human trafficking by luring them from India to build a temple in New Jersey for little as $1.20 a day has widened to four other states. In the initial lawsuit filed in May, workers at a Hindu temple in Robbinsville, New Jersey, claim leaders of the Hindu organization coerced them into signing employment agreements and forced them to work more than 12 hours a day with few days off under the watch of security guards. They traveled to New Jersey under R1 visas, which are meant for those who minister or work in religious vocations or occupations, according to the lawsuit. The investigation is ongoing. Child entrepreneurs in New Jersey are back in business. There's a new state law allowing kids to run pop-up enterprises like lemonade stands and lawn mowing without getting a permit. Governor Phil Murphy signed the bill into law recently. It's an extension of the 2016 Right to Shovel law that keeps towns from harassing kids offering their dig-out services to neighbors. New Jersey now joins New York and Connecticut in permitting kids to operate temporary businesses without filing paperwork. From Matthew Stanmeyer, Steve Strunsky, and Josh Solomon at NJ Advanced Media for NJ.com. As a hazing investigation moves forward, the Wall High School football team's upcoming playoff game has been canceled, according to a memo from Superintendent of Schools Tracy Henderhan. She stated that upon hearing about an anonymous rumor of hazing, the school immediately contacted law enforcement and appropriate state agencies. The team had been scheduled to play Delsey Regional High School at home in a state sectional semifinal playoff game with a spot in the state championship at stake. Ken Shout, athletic director at Delsey, 
said he spoke to Wall's athletic director and Colleen McGuire, executive director of the New Jersey State Interscholastic Athletic Association, recently. The cancellation abruptly ends the team's quest for its sixth state sectional championship. The investigation continues. I'm Sam Whalen, and that was your local news. I'm Karaya Bennett with your Rowan News. A century of Miss America organization and Rowan University's work to digitize the organization's vast archives will be the topic during a panel discussion on Monday, November 15th at 7 p.m. in room 104 of the Business Hall. The panel discussion will include Chantel Krebs, chairperson of the Miss America organization, 2021 Miss New Jersey Alyssa Sullivan, and 2020 Rowan alumni and Professor Catherine Turner, director of Miss America Archives Projects at Rowan and the coordinator of American Studies Program. President, Chief of Staff, and Board of Trustee Liaison Joanne Connor will serve as the moderator. At the event panel discussion, in-person attendees will have a chance to browse artifacts from the Miss America organization. All in-person or virtual attendees also have a chance to view the portions of the digital archives. Rowan students involved in a digitization project are also expected to attend the event to discuss their work. I'm Karayan Bennett with the Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, political, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Roan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Roan Radio News Team. I'm Nick Earnshaw with your news around the sports world. Roan University fall sports are winding down, but some are continuing on in the NCAA tournament in their respective sports. The Roan men's soccer team has made the Division III NCAA tournament even after losing a heartbreaker to Kane University in penalty kicks during the NJAC championship. Their first-round opponent is Mount St. Vincent, who they will take on in Glassboro today at 1 p.m. The other first-round game will also take place in Glassboro following the Rowan game as Christopher Newport takes on Eastern Connecticut State in Glassboro. The women's volleyball team has also cashed in a bid to the NCAA tournament after winning the NJAC championship against Montclair State. Natalie Ogden led the way in the championship game with 22 of the team's 59 kills. The women's volleyball team will take on Springfield in their first match of the NCAA tournament at Johns Hopkins University. Moving along to the Rowan field hockey team, they have captured their second NJAC title in the last three seasons after beating Kane University 1-0 in overtime. The NJAC's midfielder of the year, Christina Casignola, scored the game winner only a minute and 43 seconds into the overtime period. Rowan will host the second and third rounds of the NCAA tournament while they will take on Ohio Wesleyan in their first tournament game in the second round because they have a bye. Lastly, moving along to Rowan football, they have wrapped up their season, and I caught up with running back James Farah to get his thoughts on the 2021 season. I am here with James Farah, junior running back from the Rowan Profs football team. James, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Yeah, yeah, thank you. No problem. What's been the best moment overall as the season has rolled along? I think my favorite moment had to be probably coming back either against Salisbury or against Kane when I came back from my injury. That was probably my favorite moment. That's that's the most juiced I've been in a while. Take me through the two-point conversion play, the Philly special type play. We named it the Rowan special on the broadcast. Uh, what was that like? What was going through your mind when you guys ran that play? Yeah, so we put it in that week. Um, a practice and uh, it was yeah it was called you know special 
that was the play call. And um, what was going through my mind is like, right when we called it, I knew that we were going to get it <laughs> because honestly, we haven't, we haven't uh, used it against anybody else. Um, nobody was expecting that. If anything, they kind of locked in on me first with getting the head handoff and then the pitch. So uh, John made a great throw. Husney made a great catch. So now it was really cool to see now see. It was awesome to do it too. So the name was just called the special. No, nothing crazy. Just called the special in the playbook. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was just um, wait. We had like the protection, so like lucky hot, and then it was special. That was James Farah from the Rowan football team discussing one of the top plays from Rowan's season this year, the Rowan special from their final home game against Christopher Newport a few weeks ago. With that, I am Nick Earnshaw with your news around the sports world right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Hi, I'm Megan Steckler with your Rowan Report business update. Apple CEO Tim Cook says the tech giant has a responsibility to do business in as many places as it can. That includes China, where human rights advocates say Beijing prosecutes thousands of minority Uyghur Muslims. Cook spoke at the New York Times' virtual book deal conference on Tuesday. Doing business in China has played a pivotal role in setting Apple up for success. Cook touted world peace through world trade and said operating in foreign countries means Apple has to acknowledge that there are other laws in other markets. Survivors and family members who lost loved ones in the Surfside Florida condo collapse are being surprised with money. The $10,000 checks came from a fund that was raised by several city residents. Reporters say the money was raised by the developer of the Surf Club Four Seasons and its residents. 98 people were killed in the collapse earlier this year and many others lost their homes. Fans of Arby's iconic fries are now saying cheers to a new drink. The fast food giant is serving up two different flavored vodkas with a french fry taste. One is curly and the other is crinkle cut. And both are 80 proof. They go on sale one week from Thursday for 60 bucks a box but only in 11 states. Those include California, Connecticut, Florida, Idaho, Louisiana, Minnesota, Nebraska, Nevada, Oregon, West Virginia, Wyoming, and also DC. Florida Congressman Charlie Crist is behind a new bill to protect those he calls our most vulnerable Americans. The Tampa Bay Democrat announced Wednesday he has filed the Guardians Aren't Above Prosecution Act. It calls for the Justice Department to prosecute guardians or conservators who take advantage of those they're supposed to be caring for. Crist says it's shameful and simply unacceptable that there are so few safeguards to stop malicious fraudsters. I'm Megan Steckler and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Brandon Searles. The death toll of the Astroworld concert stampede is now at 9. 22-year-old Barty Shahani died of her injuries this week. She had been in the intensive care unit at Houston Methodist Hospital, and her family attorney says there is plenty of blame to go around. The crowd of 50,000 fans surged the stage last Friday when rapper Travis Scott began his performance, injuring over 300 people. Houston police say they let the crews know that CPR was being performed, but the concert continued. A Marvel superhero is embracing his new coveted title. Actor Paul Rudd has been named Sexiest Man Alive by People magazine. He says he expects his friends to give him grief, but admits he's going to own it. He even jokes he'll get business cards made and thinks this could land him on more yachts. The 52-year-old is currently working on a third Ant-Man movie due out in 2023. He's also starring in a new Apple TV Plus series premiering Friday. Plus, fans can see him out on the big screen in a Ghostbusters sequel next week. 
Will Smith is revealing the raging jealousy he felt over now wife's relationship with Tupac Shakur in a new memoir. In his book titled Will, the actor describes how he was tortured by the connection Jada Pinkett Smith had with the late rapper when they met at the Baltimore School of Arts in the 1980s. Smith praised Shakur's passion and morality but wrote that he could not be friends with Tupac because of his own immaturity. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air star went on to admit that he experienced a twisted kind of victory when his relationship with Pinkett Smith became more serious. A rust gaffer is suing Alec Baldwin after a fatal on-set shooting during filming in New Mexico. The man in charge of lighting is also suing the armorer and assistant director David Halls. He's claiming severe emotional distress as a result of their alleged negligence. The lawsuit claims he was hit with discharge materials from the blast that killed cinematographer Helma Hutchins. He also says the scene didn't call for Baldwin to shoot, but instead he was supposed to draw and point the gun in the direction of the camera. The young and the restless actor Jerry Douglas is dead at 88. Douglas appeared in the soap opera in almost 900 episodes and played the character John Abbott. The actor also appeared in other TV shows like Cold Case and Melrose Place. TMZ reports Douglas passed away after a brief illness. Longtime MSNBC host Brian Williams is leaving NBC at the end of this year. The veteran journalist said good friends were in great supply at NBC and that he will now spend time with his family. Williams was with the company for 28 years and also served as nightly news managing editor. He did not announce what future plans may be, but he has said he will pop up again somewhere. The creator of Squid Game says Season 2 is coming. The fictional competition series has become wildly popular on Netflix since launching in September. The creator doesn't have any concrete plans for what will happen this upcoming season, but says everyone's favorite characters will return. He previously told Variety that he would consider bringing on more writers and directors if the show became popular. I'm Brandon Searles, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.